Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Dean Pascoe. He is the president and owner of Boomerang Incorporated. They are a outsourcing firm based in Clark, Pampanga, which is just outside of Metro Manila. I've had Dean on the show a couple of times now, and it's always great to catch up with Dean, see how he's going with building his business, the challenges and successes that he faces and sees. He's got really incredible insights, and he's been in the industry a long time now, and so it's always valuable to catch up with Dean and get his insights, get all the info. So, as always, I hope you find it valuable. And if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Dean, it's great to have you back. You are now a repeat guest, I think, maybe two or three times previously. So it's great always to catch up with you. You're based in Clark, and so we don't often get to see each other so much. But do you want to give us a, a quick uh, catch up on Boomerang, which is the company that you founded and, and run, and let the listeners know where you are with it? I'd love to, Derek. Boomerang's, what, six and a half years old now. It's about 420 seats as of today. And we're going into January gangbusters. We've got about 70 orders for new staff. Our books are really lighting up coming into January. November, December, always a little bit quiet, but it's flying right this second. So six and a half years. We've got middle of last year, we opened a second facility. So we actually doubled our capacity. So we can sit uh, 400 per shift now, Derek. So that's exciting. So both facilities are in, in Clark, two hours north of Manila. And we're out here in Clark on purpose because, hey, the lifestyle is great. The transport to work for staff is good. We didn't, they've got an average travel time of about 27 or 28 minutes at the moment to, to and from work. Mm. So yeah. there's a big traffic 
distinction difference in Clark than Manila. You know? Yeah, Manila has a lot to answer for, yeah. And, and you're in the uh, economic zone there, aren't you, where everything's kind of all, uh, it's easy. It's an easy life in there, isn't it? It's well, well and truly full catered community, guards on almost every corner. It's a very nice in- environment for the staff to go to work to. So. And what are you, I mean, you're obviously doing great and you've got, did you say 70 um, outstanding candidates? And um, what are you, do you, is there a reason for that surge? Is it just because Boomerang's getting bigger and better? Or do you feel that the economy is coming back a bit now? Like, what are you sensing in terms of the appetite for outsourcing at the moment? So we, we service Australia, America, England. <clears throat> I guess I got a different, a little bit of sense of urgency from a different opinion from each country. A lot of the Australian clients are well and truly preaching that they just can't find the staff in Australia at the moment. Where the Americans, it always goes a little bit heavier for us in January because they get new fresh budgets, they've got new projects on online and, and their budgets reset in January. So that's been exciting for some of our clients. When we get in the scare of uh, recession in, in, in the US where and people are looking at ways to save money and prepare for what's down the track. But yeah. generally, I guess the same thing, it's pitching that they can't find the right talent and that's not always price-based anymore, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, there's a massive sort of shift. Obviously, there's kind of looming recession or threats of recession, but just everywhere it seems that there's a shortage of capable, good staff. And people are desperate, aren't they? And with that, obviously, salaries have shot up massively over the last kind of year or two with inflation. So it's pretty competitive. But, you know, again, I'm still sort of confused as to why every single SME out there doesn't outsource immediately. You know, it's compared to how many SMEs there are out there, it's still just a trickle, isn't it? And it's I think we still need to educate people to let them know that outsourcing is out there and viable for them. And it's our job to give the people that are offshoring or outsourcing a good experience so they go also go out and tell their networks, right? So yeah. I think it's our job as an industry to really roll out that red carpet and guide these people that are doing it for the first time to make the most of it and get that good ROI. Mm. And you've been in this game, you started – boomerang six and a half years ago but you've been in the game much longer how have you seen the awareness of outsourcing evolve and the acceptance of outsourcing and i suppose hand in hand that that's a little bit with uh, remote employment as well how have you seen these things evolve over over the last decade well so much has evolved in the last decade so we can start with even just the class of worker available in the philippines now compared to 10 years ago has changed there's I, 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 with the amount of cars on the road, you, we can see this middle class slowly growing up and education changing and all these people in our industry that are putting all this effort into training staff, it, it, it's really showing its legs at the moment, right? How I think COVID, um, as terrible as COVID was, has um, pushed remote work in a lot harder and faster afterwards. It's opened the eyes of of, of um, so many people. So 
prior to COVID, rent ring in Australia, we would always get pushed back of, hey, are we taking Australian jobs? And, and we'd have those conversations where we're not usually taking Australian jobs. We're usually making the Australian workers more valuable by giving them, by taking more of the let's work away and making them more forward facing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's funny, like people have been worried about taking jobs for 10, 20, 30 years. And honestly, we've been trying our darndest to, to outsource as many people as possible, but we're still seeing huge shortages, aren't we? You know, like every country is desperate for more and more staff. I mean, it's not as if it's left a big cratering hole in these economies of unemployment, like unemployment levels at the lowest ever still. It's this huge demand, isn't there, for staffing? Which just shows that, hey, by us offering staff at a competitive price, it gives these all, all these businesses, whether it's Australian-American businesses, a chance to compete and offer more services or offer a better service. It allows them to grow their employees back home as well. I, I, I truly think that if you talk to most of our customers, the offshoring industry is a big foundation of each of their businesses now. And I think they're so happy with they've got somewhere to turn where there's workers that want to work, Derek. Yeah. And one of the one of the sort of concerning trends, I suppose, is and it's not new, but you know, the kind of upwork, the freelancer, these the people that basically work without proper employment and are paid via PayPal. And, you know, a lot of the clients actually prefer this because it is cheaper, because they're not paying the benefits and getting them properly employed and all of this. But unfortunately, it almost forces all of the industry into lower prices and competing on a lower level. How do you see this whole thing play out? And how do we sort of reiterate to clients the importance of quality and proper employment, proper environments, proper facilities, hardware, things like that? Is that a losing battle or do you think clients will eventually come to realise that you, you need to do things properly and have quality as opposed to the bottom price? Well, I think each industry is slightly different, right? But I think, legit, like, I think insurance companies will help us battle this, Derek, right? So with the requirements of, like, so if we're working in the accounting industry or the mortgage broker industry, their insurance companies are now pushing, hey, if you're offshoring, what... You have you must be offshoring through a a BPO that's got over ISO or, or specific data security standards. They've got to prove that the Australian data is not leaving Australia, etc. And I think as it gets more regulated, it's it's going to make it harder and harder for these freelancers to prove that they're doing everything they can for their clients. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just trying to get the the understanding of clients, isn't it? That there's value in paying a little bit more, and I think that there's just so much attraction to to sort of saving a few dollars per hour in the short term. And it, it, well, look what a BPO does. So if they have trouble with a freelancer, or if a freelancer goes dark, Derek, right? They've got mm. no one to turn to. How do they know where their data is? Like if you're using a BPO, you could the BPO can then go collect the computer if they're not if they're not already in the office, right? So Bimring's what fifty percent work from home, fifty percent in our in our facilities, and we usually let a client 
choose what what they're happy with and what they're comfortable with. But even with our 200 remote workers that that are in their houses, they've still got our roaming IT abilities. They've still got access to HR to work them through and know that we're doing everything right based on Philippines' employment rules, right? So the other part of it is you get, you'll get, usually get a longer staying employee if they're not a freelancer. A freelancer tends to jump a lot, okay, but because something happens in their life, all of a sudden they need to buy a home or a car and because they haven't been legitimate, they now need to go find a legitimate job where they can prove their paying tax so they can get the car loans, etc. Or something happens with their health or their family's health where the HMOs that all the PPOs offer could be helping their dependents through their healthcare, right? Yeah, yeah. And I tend to find that proper professional staff, you know, they want proper employment. They want all these benefits, as you sort of rightly point out. And so the ones that are okay with the freelancing aren't really the cream of the crop, are they? They're, they're kind of like the more flexi leftovers that, you know, they're, they're not going to be the strongest staff. But, yeah, you know. or, they, or if they are strong, have they got the right attitude? Are they out there working for your, that one client or are they yeah. out there working for three clients and now all of a sudden you're only getting 40% effort from these people? It's the BPO's job to be helping track like we've got so much monitoring softwares and, and compliance softwares to, to make sure that people are logged in for the eight hours and ha- how do we prove to them that it's productive time versus unproductive time, et cetera. <laughs> Without that BPO, the client's now got that strain on themselves. And, the, and it's one thing while well, they've got one freelancer or two, but how, do they, how, does, how does a client manage 12, 15 staff, you know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it doesn't scale at all, does it? With the work from home, so you're 50-50 and obviously we've all gone through the whole COVID thing. What are your reflections on work from home? Is it, can you keep people motivated, engaged? Can you not monitor them, but can you check on their productivity as well? What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, so whether they're in the, in the facility or at home, We've got uh, monitoring software on each of the PCs to watch productivity, and we can tailor that down to each client because every client's different. So we go through each different program, what's productive, what's not, and understand what what processes each person's supposed to be going through. And with Boomerang, we give the salesman that sells the clients is actually becomes their account manager. So they live through the whole process. Now, each of our business development managers have, have assistants that help track each of their staff that they've got and to, to be able to give the clients the proper reports based on their each, each individual team. Now, so some people want monthly reports, weekly or daily reports. It's, it rings very flexible based down to, to each client's needs. Now, work from home, we've got all our nice, what would you call them, programs where we're trying to involve online games to try and have those, let's say, water cooler moments and try and bring them into the bigger bigger boomerang team. 
and try and make them feel like part of the family. We've got everything from two big events a year to monthly or quarterly team building activities that we try and encourage each staff to go to as well. But I think a big spotlight with attrition, Derek, with how long staff stay, we can see it's a lot shorter with work from home than it is in the office. And that's why Boomerang's been put in so much effort in over the last six months to, to battle it and really understand it. And I th- the, the latest thing we're working on is a client training module. Mm. Mm. We're, we're teaching the client that, hey, you need different touch points with staff at home to to try and re- well and truly engage them. So we, we just want to give them an optimised system and the best experience to knowledge to make a work from home employee well and truly the most success they can right we've got clients so i've got one of my biggest clients has grown in the last year from four staff to 39 and all of his staff are work from home but and he's in the accounting industry and he's finding it very successful i think you've got to check got to keep in the back of your mind different Personality types for different roles can work from home versus, hey, these salespeople or, or people that need to be with people. Marketing teams, I, I think, have, have much greater success in the office where they're bouncing ideas off each other. They're having a great environment. Where some roles like bookkeeping, et cetera, the disposition is head down, bums up, work and get those jobs done, can mm-hmm. work from home well, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance to all of this, isn't there? And, you know, it, it's there's not just a sort of checkbox kind of like, an, it's not like Amazon, you're buying a book. It, it's very complex, isn't it? And everything really depends on the client, on the staff, on the requirements, on the growth, uh, on the role. It's all very particular, isn't it? And that's why it's so, so difficult to really give any black and white answers or, or prescriptions. It's because it's so broad as well, right? And that's what I love about what Boomerang does. And I love to think that Boomerang's on the fence, right? Meaning we're here to look after the client because we want long-term relationships with our client, but we're also here to look after the staff because without the staff, the work doesn't get done, right? So I'd I'd truly try and get us to be that balancing act where we're doing right by both and we're pushing out a nice culture, nice exp- um, environment to both the client and the staff. So, And with work from home, do you hire people within the vicinity of Clark so they can all come in and they can have those bonding moments or do you go the full length of Philippines? We now go the full length of Philippines. Our preference is always in the Bombanga area so they can come and attend. But we've got clients where July their staff in for the Christmas party, for the mid-year party, etc. Because they found it, they found those most perfect talent in another region of the Philippines. And it's and and what by moving our recruitment base to across the Philippines, it's cha- it changes the talent pool that's available, right? Right. Yeah. And how do you find the depth of talent? Is it you sort of find in the major centres? 
you generally find the talent or can you literally find really key core people out in the provinces? I've, I've always thought of Clark as it's, it's had a very strong talent base and it always has a strong talent base because especially in the early days, it a lot of the strong talent disappeared off to Manila, right? But as we're advertising jobs and people seize these jobs, these people that have moved away from their family have now had the chance to come closer to work, have this better environment, uh, closer to their family, have this easy transition to work on, on a daily basis. And Clark's become this. Nowadays, Clark's being pushed to be one of the next big future hubs of, of the BPO industry. And talent just doesn't seem to be the big issue. So Boomerang's been, over the last six months, Boomerang's been hiring, what, thir on, on average, 30, 30 to 35 staff a month. And we've been keeping up with that two to four week turnaround to find the right staff for clients. So it's been a really good environment. Yeah. Well done. That's huge growth. Huh? And with the... You're saying you're providing resources for clients to really be better clients, I suppose, be better managers. And do you find any of the principles that you're you find are important? Do any of the are any of them specific to really outsourcing, or is it just general management principles of clear communication, clear delegation, clear processes, things like that? Is there anything unique to outsourcing? Do you find? No, no, because I think it is about just the right management structure. So each of those has to be, again, tailored by the industry and the job type that of the remote worker we're talking about. I think lots of people get it in their head that, hey, I hire someone here, like what you were saying before, at the Amazon technique where they press a button, they've ordered it. And a lot of people approach offshoring with a mindset that it's a turnkey blast away, where it's our job to... to make sure that the client knows all the right touch points the staff need, understands that, hey, the staff here in the Philippines are no different from staff in Australia, America, et cetera, that they need to understand what the company wants to achieve over the next three, six, 12 months. They want to understand that, hey, is, this, is there room to grow? What's the dream, right? These are all the things that help battle a client with keeping staff, right? So there's no different from understanding if an Aussie is motivated by family, money, education, etc. The the staff here have, have the same dreams and goals. Right? Mm, mm. Yeah, it was a good point as well, Dean. I, I think one of the strengths with a BPO versus the freelancers we were talking about before is BPOs have full-blown recruitment teams that are experienced in finding the right talent in the Philippines, right? When you're going through and going through on the freelance channels, et cetera, you're, you're limiting your view of who's offering their services to you, where our recruitment teams can go out and headhunt the right person with the right skill set mm. and, and well and truly find that right talent for that right job, you know? I always find it's a balance, you know, this is really talking shop, but it's a balance of selling the dream and outsourcing, but also setting expectations in the real world. I got an inquiry literally yesterday and 
the person literally said, I'm looking for a VA who has deep expertise in lead generation. And I'm like, you know, dude, that's not a VA. You know, an assistant is someone that helps you with your stuff. If you want an expert in lead generation in Silicon Valley, you know, that'd be earning two or 300,000 a year, you know, and yet people expect that a, a basic assistant can lead a company's lead generation, which is an enormously kind of complex department. And if you manage to get it right, it can generate billions for your company. How do you kind of coach people on setting expectations in terms of, you know, what people can do? I try and straight away, I try and get people out of the terminology of VA. Yeah. What what is a VA? It's a virtual assistant, right? A a VA is a, but for what job, for what industry, et cetera. If if it's a personal assistant or, or a, or an executive assistant, great. Let's name it that. Let's not talk about a VA, right? Mm-hmm. If it's an administrative assistant or a property administrator, let's get down into the specifics. And that's part of the BPO's role is to well and truly break down what do they, what do they want a VA to do, and so we can maximise the output for a client. In truth, Derek, a lot of the time a client comes to us. They've got this picture-perfect world in their head of what they want, and it changes a lot after we start to break down what they're trying to achieve, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also breaking down the role, isn't it? Like lead generation, for example, is not really one function. It's probably the collection of a lot of different functions, you know, like what channel are you going to be working with? You're doing SEO. How do you get traffic? How do you then build the funnels? How do you, you know, and it's kind of like making people realize it's not just, it's multidisciplinary, isn't it? And it's difficult when you expect, again, an assistant to be sort of a multidisciplinary expert. It, it, it doesn't happen in Silicon Valley, and it's, it's really rare to happen in the Philippines. And I think, you know, to that point on VAs, I, I don't like the term either. I don't like it when people call them VAs. But I think it, people crouch it in that sort of terminology so that you never, you know, it's, well, if you pay over three bucks an hour for a VA, you know, you're paying too much. And it's like, well, actually, what you're looking for is a, specific expert as you say it's not a va at all you're looking for an expert within a field within a professional field that earns a lot of money and they need to earn that if you want someone that's going to be good it's uh, yeah but it's hard isn't it it's a hard argument oh even if it's for small outbound teams for call call selling it's it goes from data scrapers which which Mm -hmm. are going to be the the cheapest to 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 the different levels of callers based on how hard that product is to sell, et cetera, and the knowledge they need, all the way to the QA people and, and the managers to, to maximize the staff, whether it's through what you said, SEO, whether it's through websites, where, whether it's through email campaigns, the, the talent is endless. We've just got to break down what they want to achieve and what's going to give them the best ROI at, in, in, in the right uh, timeline for, for based on their projects, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of breaking that down, isn't it? Breaking that process down and making them realize that it's not just one job. And I find as well, do you find this with processes? Like often the staff that, you know, the candidates that you're going to get to design and build the process are typically not the same candidates that are going to be good at running the process. And, you know, you can't expect a standard outreach agent or SDR to have the cap, you know, and they could be an amazing SDR, but they wouldn't have the understanding and capability to architect 
the whole system, would they? They're good at what they do, but they can't build the system. Correct. And how often do we try and fit in, hey, this guy has the, or this person has the perfect attitude, they're a go-getter, they were great at this job, I want to keep them, and we try and slot them into another role and does it fail, right? I think mm -hmm. we've got to be doing the right thing by the client, advising them, guiding them, and, and showing them, hey, we need this person for three months or six months or, or continuously as the project keeps evolving, but break down how many roles they actually need to really maximize their project. Right. Yeah. Or, or department, yeah. et cetera. We've had clients that have come in with, with the grand ideas and, 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 the, and the staff had slowly tailored them into ways that are more efficient. And, and you have clients that come back and, and explain that, 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 that they've blown their mind. It's, it's, it's such a good feeling, Derek, you know? Yeah, that's great, isn't it? And it's the reality with businesses. They kind of evolve. I mean, you know, like people have this idea of a business plan and it's going to go here, over to there. But it, it's always different, isn't it, once you're actually driving the, the car along the road, you know, the route changes and the strategies change and you've got to be responsive to that and have a team that can also pick up on that and respond and sort of build the new processes. So it's very, very dynamic, isn't it? Um one thing as well, like everyone's always talking about is AI, you know, whatever that means, all this automation, all the tools surrounding all these things. How have you seen that evolve over 10 years, but specifically as well, like the last year, it's just gone crazy. Yeah? Do you have a lot of clients asking for AI optimization? I think uh, it's a danger. It's a dangerous thing in some ways, Derek. I think we've reminded, we've had to remind clients out there and even staff that, hey, some EAs out there are jumping on ChatGPT or one of the or, or one of its sidelines, and they could be putting company valuable company data into it. And these AIs don't forget, right? So I think there's I'm, I'm putting a warning out to everyone: make work out what your staff, whether they're onshore, offshore, what are your staff putting into those AIs? But on the other hand, I'm all for. AI to making staff more valuable. I truly think for at least for the next 10, 15 years, AI is going to, is not going to weed our staff away. It's as long as we are training them to, on how to use the AI prompts correctly, how to get, make the most out of it. Whether it's, I think a copywriter or a graphic designer, a great example, whether it's you or me, Derek, using AI to do, to be writing articles or producing graphics. I bet you know, I've got no doubt that a full-blown content writer that's been trained on AI will get a better product out than the generic person, right? So I think a lot of the roles that we offshore into the Philippines, as long as the PPOs are creating training programs on how each industry can be using all the different AI products, it's, we're, going to be, we're going to be much more valuable into the future yeah and i think it's just sort of slowly augmenting every tool isn't it you know like ai helps you search a bit faster it's in microsoft word now it helps you type a bit faster it's just going to sort of make everything a little bit easier and quicker isn't it and it's yeah, it's going to be a fascinating are you worried for weakness in the market because of this or you don't see any weakness i can't see it happening in the next five to ten years 
No, I'd, I'd, well, again, I don't think it's in the next five, ten years. I think it's. I think if we do the right thing and Boomerang's pushing hard to keep up with the trends, that's uh, we'll be making all those. So like whether we've got a whether we're offering paralegals here, um, I think AI is going to be helping them do the research faster. Um, and as long as they're getting trained in the right way to get that right information out again, okay. But look at what Boomerang's doing with its recruitment. Um, AI now goes through the list of 300 applicants that come in for, for a day, compares it to, against the job description and, and tells my recruiters which ones to, to interview first. What, based, I, I know it's based on paper only, right, what's the job description versus a resume, but it's, it's, a, it's a big starting help for the recruiters to know who to interview first, you know. Yeah, and you just see it in more and more roles, more and more functions, and it's just these little kind of co-pilots that just help you do things a little bit quicker. Well, St. Eric, well, we've got a a call-in campaign where we've got outbound callers, and an AI is listening to the call where it's advising, it listens to the call, it advises the agent the the current stock levels, right? So if they're talking about, a particular product, the AI is instead of the agent going away to another screen looking at hey how much stock they've got, the AI has brought it up in a heads up display to show the agent hey how, how much they've got. You know, it's mm. it's it's also then going hey it's making the outbound caller so much stronger because it's given us given them information on the fly, right? So whether they're talking about hey somebody bought this keyboard, usually buys this mouse, etc., or this hard drive. It, it's showing that's the how to sell more right. without without Without. moving away from the screen, right? Yeah, helping with prompts. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's pretty powerful stuff. And have you seen? I mean, this is we'll kind of close things now. But with outbound, you know, sales and whether it's email, do you find that getting increasingly difficult to to cut through the noise with all of this automation, all the tools, and it just seems there's more and more people doing outbound, and people are getting less tolerant. Obviously, whether it's you know uh, telephoning or or now texting or email, are you finding the wall more and more impenetrable, or, or you can get results? Oh, again, so each client comes to me, and I and we'll even do a test test campaigns to see if it's possible and what the results they are, what they get from a campaign. But but two of the teams that, are, that we've got here are, are, are well and truly growing every year and smashing it in the result, results as they get better and better. And again, it's a two, two-pronged sword. Is, mark, is marketing more noisy? Is Are we, are we just getting bombarded constantly? Yes, but... When I'm talking about outbound campaigns, it, it could be an outbound campaign selling to current customers that you're, that you're selling weekly to, and we're just optimizing that kind of service, right? So they're yeah. expecting a call. They're, they know they have to order every week. And how, do we, how are we the first one in to make sure they're ordering from us instead? You know? Yeah, yeah. No, and, you know, to your point, whatever you do for year on year on year, you're inevitably going to learn it. You're going to do it. You're going to get the results and then you're going to be improving, aren't you? It's, it's sort of people that want with a campaign results after two months and, you know, it's really difficult, isn't it? But if you can sort of persevere, then you find the traction, you find the ROI, and then you just improve from there. Yeah, it takes time for these things. 
it's it's all, it's all about constantly constant improvement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we never think we're perfect. We how do how do you always beat the last result? So one of my customers has got a very like interesting campaign where they're going through LinkedIn first, and then they're sending videos to make it personal. Then they send actual packets to that customer, and they go through right. a long process, right? But it's all done from here. And um, it must be a high value service, is it, or product that they're selling? To correct. Correct. But or it's a medium value, but it's a consistent. Um, service so so yeah. it's worth the time and effort of finding those customers right yeah yeah fascinating stuff so dean thank you so much and fantastic to see your progress and you're doing so so well like amazing and congrats on the growth and all of the recruitment it's uh, really exciting to see as always if anyone wants to reach out to you learn more how can they do that jerry thank you so much for having me um, love doing this for the third time. Everyone can reach out. We've got a website, boomring.ph, or you could reach out to me personally, dean at boomring.ph. That was Dean Pascoe. He's the president and owner of Boomerang Incorporated. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.